We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back. It's been rough going for stocks since the last time we talked. So we're going to bring on an expert to talk technical analysis. We'll talk about how to make money even if the markets had significantly lower. We'll talk about trades in gold. We'll take a look at crypto. I'm Andy Gersher. This is Gaines. Last time we spoke was right before the Thanksgiving holiday, and wow, markets have really taken it to the chin here. We've seen a bit of a sell-off. Things have gotten real. So let's bring on Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios in San Diego. Jim's website is macrotides.com. Hey, always glad to have you on the uh, Gaines podcast, Jim. A lot has happened in the uh, since Thanksgiving, right? Uh, a lot has, and fortunately, a lot kind of has uh, followed the script, as you and I discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago or whatever the exact date was. The expectation then, Andy, was that the S&P would rally above 4718 um, to complete a rally that began from the October 4th low, and that then the market, the S&P, would be vulnerable to a correction that would take it down towards the 4550 area, maybe a touch lower. So, you know, this is exactly kind of what's transpired. And, you know, the uh, Omicron uh, variant obviously provided the impetus for this correction. But under the surface... Or, or the one thing I could say, yeah. or yes. it's a head fake in the, in the real... Real driver here is the Fed. Well, it's a combination, obviously. And, and uh, you know, there are expectations yesterday, oh, maybe Omicron will keep the Fed from tapering. And, you know, I have been of the view that the Fed should have increased the taper from $15 billion to $20 billion when they announced it on November 3rd. Uh, and I felt that they would increase it at some point. And in recent weeks, we've seen a number of FOMC members kind of validate that, that they were willing and ready to increase the taper at the December 15th meeting. And today, uh, Chair Powell in testimony uh, before a Senate committee uh, said, yeah, you know, I'm ready. I think it's appropriate for us to increase the taper so that we can end it uh, quickly next year. And I think markets were still holding on the hope that uh, the Fed wouldn't do that. And secondly, Powell also said it's time to retire the word transitory in describing this bout of inflation, which is kind of silly that the markets reacted to that, Andy, because for months and months it's clear 
that inflation was not going to be transitory. But, you know, Powell basically put a nail in that coffin. And I think finally markets realized that the Fed has been late and is behind the curve and expectations are rising that the Fed will become more aggressive. Uh, things long overdue. I think any kind of correction has been long overdue. And it's kind of and you kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the conversation. Isn't it really interesting how you can look at a market, use technical analysis, you know, establish these different levels and then they go ahead and come to fruition. You just have to have whatever news story uh you know, sets them in, but it's like you, you, you already saw this in advance and it was just waiting to see what news would actually make you make the actual moves happen. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I, it happens quite frequently at the same time. Uh, in all fairness, I have to acknowledge that there are times best laid plans don't always work out. And this market has been one of those markets that has been very resistant to any kind of a pullback in part because the level of speculation has been much higher in 2021 than any time that I can remember, probably going back to 2000, and in some ways is much uh, more speculative than in 2000. And people have been buying call options, and that drives the market higher because uh, the dealers who sell the call options are forced to buy the underlying stocks. And so we've seen record call volumes uh, Andy, which have played a role that any time the market has dipped, uh, people are out there buying call options on the mega cap stocks, which have a big weighting in the S&P. And that's one of the reasons why the market has resisted uh, a pullback. So you really needed a strong reason. And we effectively have two, Omicron and the Fed sounding more hawkish. Uh, that has really enabled the market to have this correction. Often when there's been a dip, you go in and you buy it, and it snaps back. And there's, you know, and, and this has been consistent as, as we've seen this market just move higher uh, and maybe has even gone a little too far, as, as you alluded to. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious at what point, Jim, and I, I hey, I like making the big gains. Yeah. And we've seen some great, great gains in stocks and crypto and and even in the meme stocks. Uh, there's just been a ton of opportunity but it's been a long time, and you've always you've been able to do this for a year now. Just hey, yeah. let the market dip and go in and buy it. But at some point, those dips happen. It doesn't snap back. It dips further. You deploy more money. It doesn't snap back. It dips even further. And then people start to panic. A lot of new investors haven't experienced that. We've experienced all the gains. Right. And all the euphoria and, and, and up, you know, markets moving forward. But we haven't seen that by the dip. It moves lower. Oh, OK, we'll load up even more because we're going to get a better deal. And it keeps going and going. And that is a dynamic that I, I think a lot of new investors haven't experienced. And could that happen here? Is that a is there a possibility where. You know, we don't see the snapbacks and we start seeing a real pullback. Uh, I think that's going to happen in the first quarter, Andy. You know, when we talked uh, last time, my expectation was that the S&P would pull back towards the 4550 level. Uh, and it could touch a little bit below 4520 is certainly possible uh, based on how this decline has unfolded. But the expectation then was that we would see a rally uh, above um, uh, the, you know, the prior high 
and maybe get up towards 4,800 in January. Uh, so I think to buy the dip will get a little bit, uh, you know, they'll get their hands slapped a little bit during this period of time. I think there's going to be another rally up uh, into the first quarter. And then I think a more significant correction is going to take place. Inflation is going to continue to come in hotter than the Fed wants. The markets are going to price in, I think, two to three, maybe even four rate increases for next year. And Treasury yields, I think, are also going to rise once the Congress passes the debt ceiling uh, limit. And we're going to see a big influx of Treasury supply coming into the market in the first quarter. So I think a lot of things are going to come together to create a 10 to 15 percent pullback in the S&P in the first quarter. But I think the premise here that the Fed is going to be raising rates aggressively next year is going to be thrown a curveball because in the second quarter, Andy, inflation is going to drop significantly based on year over year takeaways. So in April and May this last year, 2021, one month uh, used car prices are up 10 percent. Well, that means in April or May, that 10% gets subtracted from the, the equation. And if indeed uh, supply chain uh, problems are easing, new car sales are rising because we have more supply, used car prices are coming down, there's going to be a fairly dramatic decline in inflation in the second quarter. So I think there's the potential that people are going to get really worried that the Fed is going to have to be aggressive uh, in the second half of next year. And then I think the justification for that view is going to disappear. So my guess is a rally above 4,800, a pullback of 10 to 15 percent, and then a rally above 5,000 uh, by the summertime or fall of next year is, I think, potentially uh, what could happen next year. Because I think the markets are going to tilt too much toward uh, Fed being aggressive, and then the numbers are going to be uh, kind of supportive. In other words, Powell was right about inflation being transitory. It's just the window of transitory lasted 15 months instead of, you know, the three or four months most of us would define transitory as being. Yeah, I mean, you could even say I I heard recently on the noon business hour, one of the guests said, well, the Jurassic period was technically <laughs> transitory, <laughs> which I thought was pretty clever. And, and talk about like the Fed that. really being uh, kind of behind the uh, the eight ball here, so to speak. Yeah, I think so, because, you know, they held on to the idea that it was going to be transitory. And I get why, because supply chain things by their nature, uh, computer chip shortages by their nature are transitory and they're going to ease at some point in time. The problem was that it the demand shock, which really is what happened here, is the government transferred a lot of money into people's accounts, even people who were working last year. So they're sitting on a pile of money. And they used it to buy a lot of stuff. And that demand shock is what, in part, created the supply chain problems. And I think that's one of the components that's going to ease off as well next year, is the demand for goods and services is going to slow down from what we've seen uh, over the last six months or so. Uh, So a lot of things are going to come together, I think, by the middle of next year, Andy, where inflation uh, pressures are going to ease uh, by a lot. Um, they still may be at a higher plateau uh, than 2% uh, on core inflation, but they're going to come off the boil, which is where they are now. And again, I, I mentioned this earlier in the convo here. A lot of newbies have entered the market over the last couple of years. And uh, I've said this before. If you haven't been taken to the woodshed, you really <laughs> don't know what it's about. 
And uh, a lot of these folks have entered in the market kind of close to the bottom and and then have ridden this thing up. So I think that uh, there could be a lot of folks that might be surprised when things really start to, to take a a downturn here. And you've even, even alluded to, especially at the beginning of the year. I think so. And the first quarter, I think, is the most likely when things come together uh, to cause a deeper correction than any, you know, anything we've seen over the last year or so, certainly 10 to 15 percent. And a lot of those folks are going to get a what I would call the tuition of investing. You know, I like you, that. You, you lose I like money, that. You know, and you, you realize I don't know enough. I need to learn more. And I can you know, I, I'm one who experienced that firsthand. Uh, a long time ago, you know, where it was like, wow, I'm not as smart as I think I was. And and the funny thing, I think for most people, if you're on the markets long enough, you get to repeat that experience a number of times. Oh, uh, oh, you do. You, 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, even though you learn valuable lessons, I mean, yeah. we're humans. And uh, and, and I, I like that term you used. It's it's, you know, you really get an education when you get yep. the beat down. And yep. uh, I yep. guess the key thing is hopefully you don't totally get wiped out and you've learned your lesson for the most part <laughs> going yes. forward. Yep. And that will happen. Uh, people that are really b- buying call options on stocks that expire within a week or two weeks at most, they're going to get hammered uh, if we have a 10 to 15% correction. And certainly in the next bear market, which I still think is probably more than a year away, um, and you know, the, some of them will walk away from the game, and some of them will say, you know what, I'm I, I'm going to keep learning, and I'm going to invest, but I'm going to invest more conservatively than buying, uh, you know, securities that expire in two weeks. <laughs> so, but that's certainly uh, that's not part of the curve. Uh, I mean, being conservative certainly isn't fun, though. <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, you know, no, it, losing money isn't fun either, though. It's a lot less fun. In fact, people react more negatively to money lost than from the pleasure of making money. A lot of psychological studies have proven that. Um, it, there's just something about losing money that, you know, is so intense that it's very hard on people. So, um, you know, that's that's what's coming. In the meantime, I, I think the buy the dip again is going to work uh, with a low coming in in the next week or two. I, I think the, the uh, Omicron uh, variant is going to prove uh, maybe more infectious, but less uh, you know, onerous in terms of hospi- hospitalizations and deaths than Delta. And, you know, the fact that we have so many people that have been vaccinated, uh, a bunch of other people have antibodies because they've had COVID. I think that's going to prove to really be beneficial and helpful to containing uh, Omicron. The, that also said, though, is everybody getting together over Thanksgiving and going indoors in, in the coming weeks because winter's approaching, I think you're going to see a natural uptick in cases anyway, uh, and irrespective of Omicron. So, you know, Especially I, that, north where you can't get outside. Yeah, I think yeah. you, you see that shift, whereas in in southern states now where you can spend a little more time out. I mean, people, a lot of people, it's, it's great actually being outdoors this time of year in Florida and some of those other yeah. places where in the summertime – just just like the opposite here, you yep. know, in Chicago, you know, they're they're it's so hot that uh, you know, yeah, you stay in air conditioned. Yeah. So <laughs> it'll be interesting. I think you're right there. The north and we're seeing that a little bit. Uh northern states really yes. see, starting to see the uptick. Pick up in cases. Yeah. <clears throat> One last comment. Somewhere along the line, probably not too distant future, Andy, we're gonna see or hear a report that the first case <clears throat> of Omicron 
has been reported and found in the United States. It's going to be very interesting to see how the stock market responds to that piece of news. Especially um, uh, especially today, because in the Netherlands, yeah. they've mentioned that the, the um, it's been there for 10 days, and they had just discovered it in South Africa mm-hmm. last week. So uh, even in it's, they say it's been in Europe already yeah. for a little while, and I'm sure probably the same case is uh, going to be found here too. It'll be interesting when uh, that comes out and how long it's actually been here. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, I mean, it's going to happen. Uh, we are going to see an announcement where they say, Hey, the first case of Omicron has been found in such and such, blah, blah, blah. And it's how the markets respond to that piece of news. Do they get hit really hard or do they have, <clears throat> you know, a sell off on the news and then recover? That would, to me, be a positive response to that piece of news. And again, my expectation is that there's a low to be put in sometime in the not-too-distant future, and then a rally that will then kick in and carry into the first part of January. So that's the kind of reaction I would like to see if, indeed, you know, uh, the announcement is made uh, that a, a case has been found in the U.S. I'm convinced this is more to do with Fed policy, though, this recent, I mean, I know the headlines uh, talk about the variant, and that could be a factor. It, it certainly could. But it is a different world. We, we've been going through this kind of stuff for a while. So uh, I, I really do firmly believe this has been long overdue, and this is very inflation-fed-driven more yep. so than anything. But But who knows? And as we set the table here— uh, hey, just want to get in a couple plugs real quick. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've set the table and and we'll uh, talk about moves to make going forward um, as we set the table here. But I wanted to say real quick, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. I've, I've been told that's uh, podcast gold. So if you have that option, please, uh, you know, subscribe. Follow and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And then, as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. Okay, we're going to be right back. We have a a quick break here. We'll uh, be right back with Jim Welsh, and we'll talk about how to kind of position ourselves now that we kind of have an idea where the market might be uh, heading. So just hang tight. We got great information on the other side of the break. So uh, we'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? 
Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, back with Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios in San Diego, California. His website macrotides.com while we're doing some plugs here jim anything else uh for the gains listeners that uh websites anything that they uh, resources anything they should check out well if they would like to receive the december issue of the macro tides uh, letter which is going out tomorrow on december 1st uh, i'll be happy to send it to them all they have to do is send me an email jim welsh macro at gmail and I will be happy to send that out to them, and I think they'll find it pretty informative. The discussion is pretty much about labor market tightness. The Fed believes there's a fair amount of slack in the labor market, Andy. I think they're probably overstating that slackness, which means wage pressures are going to persist as we get into next year. So that's going to be another key determinant that the Fed is going to be looking at and also guiding monetary policy in the first half of next year. I've been reading Jim's work for well over a decade, probably a lot longer than that. And so he's got great info. So maybe take advantage of that. It's it's perfect for the gains listeners. Okay, so we've kind of set the table where we're at. We've talked variant and Fed and technical analysis and and where uh, things might be going or how you see them. Um, So I guess what's the advice for investors right now, especially, you know, a lot of us have seen big gains, um, but we want to maybe cash in on some of those gains and then exploit the coming uh, roughness in the market. So what's your advice for, uh, you know, we'll we'll start with the conservative advice and then we'll go with the degenerate gains uh, (laughs) listener and the degenerate like me. So let's start, Jim, with with the conservative investor, because um, we, we do cater to both. What's yep. the advice? What's the play for the conservative investor right now? Well, I, I think I, I wouldn't really do too much, Andy, because I do believe that this correction won't carry much deeper than it already has. And then we're going to see a rally up into January that takes the S&P to 4,800, maybe closer to 4,900. It's at that point in time that I think conservative investors would be wise to lighten up because, as I said before, a 10 to 15 percent correction is likely. So I would wait until if we get that rally at that point in time, I would lighten up. All right. Now, well, real I, quick, I, I real think, quick, when you say lighten up, are you dollar cost averaging out of positions? What do you mean by lighten up, Jim? Well, I would cash in some of this stuff that has had the biggest gains uh, in a portfolio uh, because the stocks that are most stretched are also more likely to decline more uh, if indeed a 10 to 15 percent correction uh, occurs. So there's the potential of, uh, you know, lightening up, do a little bit of selling. I'm talking, you know, 15, 20 percent. So we're not talking about getting crazy. And taxes are always a consideration. So for some, not doing a darn thing will be appropriate. Because again, as I said earlier, I think there's a 10 to 15 percent correction and then a move above 5,000 in the S&P, maybe approaching 5,500 sometime by the middle of next year. So that will be the time to become aggressively 
conservative, in my opinion. So for a lot of conservative people, hey, just ignore all this stuff. There's going to be a rally. There's going to be a pullback and then another bigger rally. And that's the point at the termination of that rally is we're becoming much more defensive, I think, will be appropriate. Um, what what it, kind it, of pullback are you looking for there there when you say, OK, because we've 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 pulled back a little bit here, not not a yeah. ton. And you yeah. said we're going to kind of bounce back. Um so uh, when when this the, you know going into next year when you get the real pullback I mean what are you what are you talking percentage wise ballpark Well again this is an assumption that the S&P will make it up towards 5500 or higher uh, a lot of times the last move of a bull market and this is my expectation is that the 2009 bull market will come to an end uh, by the middle or later next year and that will follow is a fairly significant bear market. Um, and again, this stuff has been building. We don't have time really to get into this. Sometime it you know, would be appropriate to focus on it. But I believe we're going to transition toward a major bull market into a major bear market, kind of like what we saw from 1966 to 1982 which also was a period of rising inflation, higher interest rates, and a lot of social issues that the, our you know, country had to deal with during the 60s and 70s. I think something like that is coming, Andy, uh, by 2024 and beyond. And as we wrestle and try to deal with the polarization, uh, the loss of trust in institutions and so forth, I think that's going to be uh, part and parcel why a more extended bear market is going to be likely. Wow, um, that's that's a lot different because I've talked to a ton of people. Hey, this is the 1920s, 100 years later. Boy, it's, I'm telling you, you know, with all yeah. the money being, uh, you know, put into people's pockets and all the liquidity right. and then all this exciting technology, it's the setup. You don't see it that way. Uh, no, I mean, again, I'm bullish uh, until we see the S&P get up towards 5,500 to maybe six, whatever the number is. I'm guessing at this point in time, but, you know, up to near those levels. And then I think the market is going to be facing uh, a long period of sideways chopping. And there's going to be some difficult things that come along. At some point in time, I think the dollar is at risk of losing its reserve status. That's not going to happen in 2024, but it might happen in 2028. Uh, we have to deal with things like uh, Medicare running out of money in 2026, Social Security in 2033. 20, uh, 2033. So these are all issues uh, that um, we got to deal with. And, the, you know, our, the politicians in both parties have just kind of pushed it off, pushed it off, pushed it off. And in the meantime, aren't really addressing a lot of the longer term issues that are lurking. And I just think that as we approach that window of time of 2025 and beyond, um, the solutions are not going to be uh, easy and it's going to hurt economic growth. Things like population growth, Andy, determine uh, GDP growth. Labor market growth is one of the biggest components of GDP growth. And last year was the lowest uh, birth rate since 1937. So GDP isn't going to be enhanced by whatever spending they're doing or planning to do in the next year or two. GDP is going to continue to grow when we look out over the horizon at less than 2%. 
because we just don't have enough bodies going into the labor market and productivity isn't going to pick up the slack. So there's a lot of these issues that people aren't looking at whatsoever at this point in time because we're in a bull market. Um, and that's what happens in a bull market. People just don't bother to look at longer term factors that could become serious problems. I think they are, but we're talking two, three, four years from now when some of this stuff starts to manifest. So in the meantime, it's like, all right, let's just take it one step at a time. And, uh, you know, if and when the S&P gets up to those higher targets and things are starting to look shaky, there'll be technical evidence and fundamental reasons why a much more aggressive, conservative approach uh, should be adopted. And at the same time, for those in your camp uh, who want to look to make money on the downside, there'll be amazing opportunities to go short the market. Markets go down much faster than they go up because fear is a much more intense emotion than greed. So when we get to a place where things are looking not so good and then they transition to things looking terrible, you know, we're going to see very significant declines uh, in the overall market. And um, I just think one has to be thinking of this kind of stuff before you get run over. And that's why, you know, I've written about it from time to time. I will be writing it more as we get deeper into 2022. Um, but I, I just uh, that's my longer term outlook. You know, uh, well, right now it's not on the uh, on the front burner whatsoever. But um, I just think it's important for people to uh, realize that there have been times when the market goes through an extended bear market. The decline from 1929 the Dow didn't retake the 29 peak until 1954. 50s. Yeah, it was the mid 50s before yeah. it even uh, was yeah. able to claw itself back. And yeah. um, you know, you, you were talking about opportunities. I, I we'll talk to you. Uh, you know, looking at from a sector level, what areas would you move into? And then the other thing is when when you see these kind of situations, do you short the market through? ETFs. That's another way you could, you know, yeah. and there's also multiples. So there yeah. are some plays here uh, for the gains listeners. So we, we've talked the conservative uh, play, but then when you start looking at the market shaping up and you, 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 you see a sell off, you can exploit that situation. You can short the market if you're not quite as sophisticated and want to do more through an ETF exchange traded funds. There's Ultra Pro Short. That's three times uh, the decline. There's Ultra Short, which is two times the decline. So there's some ETFs out there as well. What's some specific plays for the gains listeners uh, right. to either to exploit and make money from this kind of situation that you see coming down the line? Well, you know. just in the handful of, you know, like, again, the expectation is we're going to see a low, then another rally to another new all-time high between now and the end of January. If everything falls into line at that point in time, Andy, going short the S&P using whatever instrument, whether it's, a, as you just described, uh, ETFs, you can also go short the S&P on a one-to-one -one basis. So you don't have to be a, a crazy person and do two or three-to-one. Oh, we like crazy, though. You like crazy. I get that. And you know what? When that decline is likely to be time-compressed, and that's important because when you use two- and three-to-one leveraged ETFs for anything, um, the, the way the market declines erodes 
uh, that two to one. So you're going to have a market lose 10 percent and you're in a, uh, a two to one ETF uh, shorting the S&P and you think, hey, the S&P dropped 10 percent. I'm going to make 20 percent. No, the mathematics just don't work that way. I the always, S&P, I, well, I know. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So the S&P could lose 10% and you might gain uh, 15. Hey, that's great trade. But you want, to me, using those leverage funds are more appropriate in a, uh, a, a, an expectation where a decline is going to be relatively time compressed, let's say less than three months. You start going out three months, beyond three months, um, that two to one factor really starts to, uh, work against you. A lot of uh, these ETFs no. seem to deteriorate over time. I've seen them in yes. oil. Uh, yes, and yes. that's a great point. I was going to uh, mention this. Okay, they're great. So say you see um, a decline, you know, maybe 10, 20% is going to be put in in a very short amount of time, then those those ETFs are great plays. But over the long run, and you alluded to this, you know, you don't want to be holding these three, six months because there is deterioration. These are yes. tools for a quick, short-term uh, play Move. to the downside, or, you know, you can also go long on these. But yes. that's a great yeah. point because if you start holding those more than a couple weeks, there are deterioration. You kind of just alluded to that. Yeah. Now, there was a three-to-one uh, uh, negative uh, ETF on the emerging market index. And this goes back, I don't know, a few years. And, um, uh, you know, the, the emerging markets dropped a lot over about a year time. Uh, that negative, e- that three to one negative ETF lost money. Wow. That just, that speaks to like holding an instrument like that yes. over so, a year. You know, again, uh, you know, you're playing a little bit with fire when you start using that kind of leverage. And it's just because the mathematics are calculated every single day. You know, you short it at point A and you think, okay, from point A to point B and the market drops 10%, I'm going to be up 20% in a two-to-one fund. No, the, the math is done every single day so that as the market drops, rebounds, drops, rebounds on its way to a net 10% decline over time. That recalculation every single day gives the ETF a chance to be uh, its value to be eroded uh, on an ongoing basis. So, um, you know, but your main point, though, Andy, is I I think there's a trade to the upside between now and the end of January. And then I think maybe a more significant trade of looking for a market decline. And then a really good trade, if I'm right, that the market start pricing in a much more aggressive Fed than what is likely, especially if I'm right about inflation really coming down hard in the second quarter. They won't have to raise rates as much as the markets anticipate and a rally, you know, to 5,500 from, let's say, 4,500 or whatever the low in the first quarter turns out to be. um, That's going to be the great trade in the first half of next year. And then as far as getting a getting in on on maybe individual stocks that would benefit you know we talked about shorting the market and etfs yep. and that kind of thing but uh are there some sectors that uh could help us make some fat juicy gains yeah well i think the technology stuff is still going to be okay going into january and then if i'm right that treasury yields start to move up aggressively as supply comes in inflation it continues to creep higher in the first part of next year uh, the market starts pricing in multiple rate increases. All those things would cause rates to go up, which is why I think 
the tech stocks could get hit harder than uh, they have been, certainly, uh, during that 10% plus decline in the first quarter. So that's, uh, you know, the expectation. After that, I think the tech stocks are going to be a good place to be. I'm also looking at small cap stocks uh, because they've gone nowhere for much of the last, well, since last February. And I think if I'm right, Fed doesn't have to raise rates. Optimism regarding economic growth is going to improve and pick up. And that would favor small caps. It would favor other cyclical sectors like transports, basic materials, industrials. So that's, you know, if you will, the framework I'm operating under. Now we have to see if, you know, the market follows that framework to some extent. Uh, and if there is a sell-off of 10 to 15% next year, and I'm right, inflation starts to recede, people start to realize the Fed isn't going to have to raise rates multiple times next year, um, you know, I, then it'll be, if you will, all the pieces come together, and it's like, yep, those are the sectors we want to own because people are going to upgrade their expectation for the economy uh, for the balance of 2022. Do the high flyers like the meme stocks and and the Lucids and the Teslas and the, some of the high flyers? Do they get do they get massacred? In, They're going to get that- hit pretty hard, and to the extent that people are in them uh, in that first quarter. Um, that's going to, you know, temper their enthusiasm a little bit. So I'm not convinced that if those stocks get hit harder than the overall market, because uh, a lot of them are air. I mean, the reality is they're trading on air. Um, so that could be the first tuition <laughs> that a lot of these folks well, pay. And, and when those things decline, those high flyers, I mean, they, they get crushed. Oh, they Everybody get wants crushed. to get out at the same time. And what happens, Andy, is, okay, they're buying call options on GameStop. So the, the dealers who sell those calls have to buy game stock. And then all of a sudden, game starts, starts declining before below various strike prices. So the calls become effectively worthless. Well, the dealers don't have to hang on to the stock anymore. You know, they had it for a hedge. Now their exposure to the calls decreases as the stock drops. They start selling the stock as well. So you get a lot of things, you know, that come together that have caused these spikes, and that will also come together to cause, I think, pretty sharp declines in some of those stocks. So I'm, I'm not ready to kind of pronounce what will happen with those stocks. I, I think most people, if they're burned, will probably tend to shy away. The Teslas of the world, that's a different story. Um, right, there, than, that's fair to stock. say. I mean, there's a big difference between a Tesla and yeah. a GameStop or an AMC. I mean, yes. you know, and even, even Tesla's been around a little bit more. There's even a big difference between a between Tesla and like Lucid Motors or right. Rivian, you know, some of these IPOs right. and SPACs that have been out as well. Right. Another good trade that I think we'll be setting up uh, to kind of expand on it a little bit is, as I've mentioned, I think Treasury yields are going to move up and they're going to move up above the high from March of this year. So that means the 10-year gets above 176, the 30-year gets above 250. Um, I think rates have been artificially held down because of lack of supply. When the debt ceiling wasn't increased in July, the Federal Reserve has effectively been buying all the supply the Treasury has brought uh, to the market, and they're just rolling over existing debt. They're not issuing new debt. So the Treasury has run its balance down from $1.6 trillion in February to a couple hundred billion, and they're going to run out of money within the next couple of weeks. So once the debt ceiling is increased, the supply 
spigot is going to be turned on full force. So you're going to see in the first quarter of next year, seven to $800 billion of new paper come to the market in addition to rolling over paper. And that's going to co- uh, you know, collide with, gee, inflation is higher. The Fed may raise rates. So I think there's a, a good trade of being short the bond market um, in the first going, you know, sometime taking that position in the next couple of weeks um, and then looking uh, for bond yields to move up in the first quarter. And I think that's one of the reasons why the equity market is going to have a correction. We we always talk about inflation, uh, especially lately, uh do you see crypto uh, as a hedge against inflation? Is it a non-factor, or, or when markets get crushed, people are going to go there for cash? Well, the one thing I'll say is I, I thought gold would perform better over the last six, eight months. You and I me, really thought inflation was going to be higher and all the rest of that. And that historically, uh, people have gravitated toward gold uh, and silver uh, during periods of higher inflation. Which has I done nothing the, as of late. It really hasn't. And the enthusiasm toward crypto, I think, has sucked some of the money that historically would have gone toward gold has instead gone crypto. Is it an inflation hedge? I don't know. I suppose anybody can talk themselves into anything. Uh, I don't think per se that it is. It is a speculative trading vehicle that has captured a lot of people's attention. And, uh, you know, money goes where the action is. And that and that has been, a, you know, a source of big action. That's going to continue. Now, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, I thought uh, uh, Bitcoin would drop to the mid-50s, 50,000s, and it has. I, I think unless it can close above 60,000, and I think it's headed lower towards the 50, 48 to 50,000. So maybe at some point in time, if crypto continues to have a correction and, and inflation picks up and gold shows some life, maybe it can come uh, into its own. But I think gold is going to rally up towards 1835 uh, over the next month. Whether it can get above 1835 is a critical test. More importantly, I continue to, you know, in May and June, I thought the dollar was making a significant low around 89 and a half and that it was poised to rally to 100. Well, it's rallied almost to 97 uh, since late May. Uh, I think there's a pullback short term, but ultimately, I think next year, the dollar is going to make a push toward 100. Now, gold has not responded well to that. I mean, once the dollar bottomed in late May, early June, that's when gold peaked uh, over 1915, I think it was trading about. So um, that's the other thing I think you have to keep an eye on is how the dollar impacts gold. And it doesn't appear to have a big impact on on crypto. I'm just when I look, say about forty eight to forty nine or fifty thousand on a pullback, I'm just looking at the chart, Andy. Yeah, well, I, I, I see forty. You know, looking at the Bitcoin chart right now, uh, the way I'm looking at it, I mean, I could clearly see a forty seven five, forty seven thousand yeah. five hundred test. Yep. Easy. Yep. I mean, that kind of shapes up kind of nice on the chart. Um, yeah. And and it's interesting. Gold. Uh, I'm there with you. I mean, I I, I was a former precious metals guy. I, you know, I would have thought that gold would be 2,500 an ounce. I could see, you know, I would have thought that silver would be approaching the 35, 40, you know, level. I think that you're right with uh, a a crypto taking a lot of that, that speculative gold money. Uh, You know, as we are wrapping up our conversation here, you know, so, you know, Jim has given us a bit of a stern warning 
especially going into the next year. So uh, as we're wrapping things up here, your, your kind of final thoughts on our uh, conversation today, Jim. Well, I, as I said, I think the biggest trade next year, well, there's going to be two, a, a high in the first part of next year that precedes a 10 to 15 percent correction, and then uh, a big rally. That's kind of the last hurrah of the 2009 bull market. So that is going to provide, I think, great, great trading opportunities on the long side uh, in the equity market uh, for next year. Beyond 2022, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that as we get into next year. Yeah, <laughs> we, we got a little you time know? until there. Hey, yeah. real quick, I meant to ask you this. Uh, as far as gold exposure, do you like the yes. ETFs? I, I kind of heard that if you want more yield, more bang for your buck, you go with the, you know, the miners. What's your yes. play on gold? Absolutely. Well, the miners always, they have a greater volatility than uh, gold itself. So they go up more when gold rallies, they go down more when gold declines. Um, my expectation is that gold is going to hold 1750 to 1760. It's important it does that. My expectation is it will. We then will see a rally going into next year that takes gold up towards 1835. And it really needs to clear that 1835 to see if it can go much higher. In that context, GDX, I think, is a buy at current levels, and I think a rally towards 35 and possibly 37 is going to be possible early next year. But these are all trades because I think after we get this bounce in gold and the gold stocks, uh, the dollar may reassert its strength, and I think that will likely continue to prove negative for gold and the gold stocks. All right, Gaines listeners, again, Jim's going to give you his email Write this down because you're, you're going to want to get his commentary. So for the Gaines listeners out there who want to uh, read more about what we just talked about today, again, give them, give them the email yeah. and, and tell them what they need to do, Jim. Sure. Just send me an email to Jim Welsh. That's W-E-L-S-H uh, macro uh, at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to send you the December issue um, of Macro Tides. And I cover a lot of bases in it. So I, I think, you know, you'll enjoy. Oh, yeah. So that, again, that would be email uh, Jim at jimwelshmacro at gmail.com. Is that right, that Jim? That's correct. Okay, cool. That's definitely want to take advantage of that. Well, hey, thanks again, Jim. Uh, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Uh, yep. That's Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, Smart Portfolios in San Diego, California. Again, the website, macrotides.com. Uh, hey, we'll talk again soon. I always appreciate thanks, it, Jim. All right, take care. All right. Good luck. All right, we'll see you now. All right, that's going to wrap up our show today. We are back tomorrow. Uh, the markets have been really volatile, so you're going to want to be sure to check us out tomorrow again as we continue the conversation. Hey, real quick, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode drops. We're back tomorrow. So I look forward to uh, talking to you then. See you tomorrow. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.